Uh, I want to share with you a word this morning, and hopefully we can get through the message in about 20 minutes. I want to be really long today because we want to have time to, to share communion together. But I want to talk about having a passion for God. This subject has come up in a couple of my, um, in, in my uh, conversation over the last couple of weeks in Wednesday night Bible study and in, I think even in the message last week. And I've been thinking about this whole aspect of, of being passionate about the things of, of, of the Lord and about um, recovering the sense of awe and, and wonder and this, the sense of, of, of fervor and zeal for the things of God. And you know what? I, I think we live in a very distracted and distractible age, right? Now, one of the reasons why is because we've got so much information, almost information overload. And most of us, basically, these days, kind of walk around like this. You know? And we sit around in times when we would normally sit with people and talk. We sit and we do this. And, we, and I finally get to the end. Okay, there's nothing else for me. To, I've got like 76 apps. There's nothing else for me to see, you know. <laughs> but we just, you know, we just, we do this. And, and younger, the younger you are, the more that's a, a reality in your life. That's one of the things. But there's a lot of things, I think, that cause us, you know, I keep it nearby, <laughs> that cause us to, uh, um, to, to sometimes maybe wane in our passion for the things of the Lord. Um, sometimes over the course of our Christian experience, that which begins at a, with, a certain, at, at a, with a certain fire that we begin with, we sometimes find ourselves, we find that fire diminishing. But I, I want to suggest to you this this morning, and that is, and how many of you, as, as members of this church, how many of you want for us to be a healthy church? Do you believe that we are? I, I do. You know, I, I, I got over a long time ago trying to be a big church. I got over trying to be a flashy church. I got over trying to be a, uh, a hip church. Um, I, I just, I want to be a healthy church. I'm in a marriage, as you know, <laughs> uh, 44 years uh, in, in about a month. And uh, I, I'm grateful for the longevity of our marriage, but I'm also grateful for the health of our relationship. I'm grateful for the healthiness of our family. And, uh, and that is the, that's what we want as a church. We want to be a healthy church. We want to be a, like a functional family. We have our, we have our flaws. We have our problems, don't we? We we will engage with, in, in conflict from time to time. But, but my, my, my premise this morning would be this, that a healthy church uh, must begin with a consuming passion for God. Would you say amen to that this morning? Now, I, I had read some years back, a few years back uh, that where the, the Gallup organization that does a lot of polling uh, relative to Christian issues and church issues and issues with Christianity in, 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 in society had done a survey of, of 13,000 people in uh, 130 countries. This was a few years back. Um, and this is the first time they had done a survey because most of their work had been done domestically, but it was the first time they had done one that was worldwide. And um, it was a survey of people who used to go to church and who no longer do. There's been a lot of work uh, along those lines. There was, there was a, someone who wrote a book called Exit Interviews where they talked to people, but Gallup actually surveyed that. And... Um, there were a number of questions in the survey, but one of the questions that was asked was, what would need to happen for you to, go, to return or to go back to church? And um, what, the, the number one answer that, that they received across the board was this, to see passion in the lives of the members and leaders. What people wanted to see was fire. People want to see some sort of zeal. People want to see an enthusiasm among Christians that make going to church and participating in church life meaningful. Um, you know, you, if, if I'm not excited about God, why 
would you, why would I think that you should be? If I'm not excited about my church, why should I think that you are? If I'm not excited about Jesus, or if I've lost that excitement, then why, why, then I, why, why should you care, right? And that's kind of where people are. And people look at us, and people read us, and people, people survey us. And people, that's why when, we, when, when we're firing on at least seven out of eight cylinders, or three out of four with the turbocharger's working or whatever, I don't know. When we're firing on all cylinders, when we're doing church in, as Jesus would have us to do, hopefully what people will see, you know, among us and in our midst is see us really looking as though we want to be here. You ever been to church and see people just drag in like, oh, what? The, David didn't say, I was, I was apathetic when they said unto me, let us go into the house. I, I kind of... I went along with it when they said unto me, let us, he didn't know I was glad when they said it. And, and they, when, when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, David expresses this, this zeal about, about worship and about the things of God. And so the question, let's, let's address for a moment, what is passion? And if a healthy church begins with a consuming passion for God, listen to John 2.17 from the New Living Translation. It says this, then his disciples, this is speaking of Jesus, remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house burns within me. Jesus is speaking for this passion for God and, and passion for God's presence in our lives, not for a building or a structure or even an organization or, or a, a, you know, a, an entity, but passion for God and his presence in our lives. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want, I want you to take a moment and think about it. I want you to search your heart. Do you have passion for God in your life? Do you? What is passion? Passion is an intense emotion, a strong feeling, a, a great devotion, and an intense conviction that fuels or motivates us towards compelling action. So if you have passion for something, guess what? You love doing it. I look around the room, and I, I know what some of your passions are in life, just in general, and I know that when you, with regards to that passion, you love doing that. Amen? I, I know that Bob Robles loves playing guitar. I, and a lot of you all don't know, but I know he loves playing violin, but that's, a, that's his side gig that he does when nobody's looking, right? When I first met Jerry Peters, I knew that Jerry Peters had a passion for music, and for the piano, and for arranging, and for composing, and for, for, for that kind of thing. I, I know that, I, I look around here, and I, I can just see various ones of you, and I, I know that there, there are things that, 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 that drive you, that you're passionate about. Some of you are passionate about excellence. Some of you are passionate about your careers. Some of you are educators, and you're passionate about the children that, and the students that you serve. Some of you are singers, and you're passionate about that. As worship leaders, our worship team, I, I thank God that God has placed people around me that are, who are passionate about what they do. Eugene is passionate about, about just working and serving wherever, whatever his, his hand finds to do. He throws himself into it. By the time I get here on Sunday, and I'm all cool and calm and composed, I haven't broken a sweat yet. By the time I get here, Eugene's already got his outer shirt off and he's, he's wet with sweat because he's been working. But he's passionate about that and he does what, he, what his hand finds to do. And I love that about Eugene. Amen? I do. Oh, my elders, I love their passion uh, for, for, for just looking over the flock and serving this church and doing what needs to be done here. Our church council is passionate about the, their role here as well. Uh, uh, the ushers are, are passionate about, about serving, and, and they show up early, and they, 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 they smile and greet people, and they, 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 they do that with excellence and with, with, with passion. 
And so uh, if you have a passion, you love doing whatever it is you do. If you, and if you want to be good at something, you, you really have to do it with passion. Uh, you know, that's why I don't golf no more. Now, and now the reason I don't fly airplanes anymore is money, but the golf thing is passion, okay? Uh, uh, pa- passion is the difference between enthusiastic action and, and simply going through the motions. You know what I'm talking about? Passion is that fire in, in your belly that causes you to get up in the middle of the night thinking about what needs to be done the next day or what you have planned ahead of you, what, what lies before you. And there's another word in the Bible for passion, and that word is zeal. And, and the Greek word under that word for zeal means something like a fervent devotion to a cause. It's closely related to terms like fire and enthusiasm and jealousy in the good sense and, and earnestness. A person who has zeal has, in the words of the prophet, fire in his bones that cannot be easily quenched. And there are a few passages in the New Testament that tell us about this zeal and how it can be used positively or how it can even be represented negatively in our lives. Romans twelve eleven says this, Paul writes, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. In the, in, in the, in the New Living Translation, that reads like this, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Romans 10, 2, in the New Living Translation, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is a misdirected zeal. That's Paul is talking about a, a passion that is, that, is, that is misapplied and misdirected. Second uh, Corinthians 7.11 from the NLT says, Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you, such earnestness, such concern to clear yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal. Second Corinthians 9.2, Paul writes, For I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to our friends in Macedonia that you Christians in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of them to begin helping. Philippians 3.6 from the New Living Translation. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. There's a, there's, a, there's, there's a zeal or a passion towards something that is unhealthy or unholy. But Paul says, I had that zeal, but it caused me to persecute the church. He says, as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I was zealous and passionate about things, but it was misdirected. But we get excited, don't we, about all kinds of things. Some of y'all get really excited about football. Some of you get, some of you were, uh, get, some of you get excited about basketball. And from year to year, it depends on who's, what's going on, right? Some of you used to be excited about the Lakers. Some of you are, are starting to become excited about the Clippers. <laughs> See, I'm about to start an insurrection up in the house of God on this morning. We're passionate about our job, aren't we? We're passionate about work. We're passionate about our, our possessions, our stuff, you know, our car, our house, our, 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 our jewelry, you know, our, our stuff. We're passionate about our, our belongings. But here's the question this morning. Why is it that so many Christians, why do we find ourselves being apologetic about being passionate for Jesus? Why, and then why do Christians lack zeal? Why don't we have the passion that maybe we used to have? Why don't we have the passion that we might have? And I want to suggest to you four reasons why that might be the case. Number one, because maybe we have allowed something precious to become familiar, to become ordinary, to become everyday, to become in a word. And I talked about this on Wednesday night because it's a word my mama used to use. Old folks used to become common. 
And I told them on Wednesday night, they probably get here, got tired of all this autobiographical stuff, but I talked about the fact that one of the things that kept things nice between me and the wife when we were dating was because my, mama said, my mom said, you ought to be careful that you don't get common. And so there were boundaries, and there was like to where they, you know, between her parents and my parents, they kept, it, they kept us apart enough to where we were really always glad to see each other. <laughs> and, and when we got married, we still had some things to learn about each other and some things to discover, and so it was really cool, right? But we, we allow something precious, and Jesus is precious, and the gospel is precious, and church is precious, and the work of the Spirit in our lives is precious. We allow it to become familiar, ordinary, every day. And sometimes in marriages, our, 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 and, and, and Greg, thank you for what you shared this morning. You're on the right track, my brother. I, I affirm you. God bless you and Tammy. You're, you're doing it right. But you know marriage goes dry because one or both parties allow the preciousness of, of, of the relationship to be diminished, and we get caught up in the day-to-day stuff, and we lose that special something. You know what I'm talking about. And, and, the, and then, again, one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses in, uh, with regard to, to, to uh, passion in our relationships is this word tomorrow, because we say, well, tomorrow I'll take the kids to the park. And tomorrow I'll, I'll take my, my wife on date night, or t- tomorrow I'll do this for my family. With regard to people that are near and dear to us, tomorrow I'll call my friend. Tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow I'll do that. Don't let the unknowns of tomorrow steal the preciousness of today and the here and now. And so it is, it is, it is we've, we allow, number one, we allow that which is precious to become familiar, to become commonplace. Number two, the need for approval. You say, how so? We all want to be loved, and we all want to be needed, and we all want to be accepted by others. And if, if you want real passion, you've got to realize this. While passion draws some people, your passion for God will draw some people to you. But you know what? It will repel some others. And uh, sometimes if we are too desirous of popularity, if we want too badly to be approved and to be liked, and I can pour water on the fire of passion for God in our lives. And without thinking about it, we turn down the fire of passion. We trade passion for approval. See, sometimes we just, the whole thing about being cool, being cool sometimes means we want to appear apathetic and not passionate because we don't want to offend and we want the approval of other people. So we all sit around like we don't really care about much. Number three, would be apathy. And the word apathy means without love. Literally, people have lost their love. You know, what once caused your heart to go pitter-patter, and I'm not talking about Felix the cat and his bag of tricks. If you're older, if you're younger than 40, you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's the problem when you become a man of a certain age, Bobby. You, you, your, your repertoire of illustrations, sometimes you have to explain because... Felix the cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat, whenever he gets in a fix, he reaches into his bag of tricks. Felix the cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat, you'll laugh so hard, your side will ache, your heart will go watching, watching Felix. And that was the lamest cartoon ever because it kind of moved in a little, like. (laughs) Speak for yourself, sis. But, but, 
but what once caused your heart to beat faster now barely gets your pulse moving. We fall into routines or ruts. We become routine about our faith. We become routine about going to church. We don't deny Christ. We just demote him a little bit to, to this commonplace. And apathy is not really a state of mind, but it is a condition of the heart. And then number four would be people. You've heard the expression, birds of a feather flock together. Have you heard the expression? Well, the same is true of people. That, that, that transfers to us. And people, like people, tend to hang together and like minds tend to coalesce. And we have to be careful who we spend our time with. Why? Because those we spend our time with will affect our walk with God for better or for worse. You know, if you take a red-hot poker out of the fire, you throw it on a cold concrete floor, what's going to happen? going to slowly lose that red glow and it's going to cool and accommodate and it's going to acclimate to the temperature of that floor. And so this question is before us this morning, what happens when passion is lost? Look with me uh, at Revelation 2, 2 and 3. This is, um, John is recording in, in, in Revelation, he's recording Jesus' letters to the seven churches and here to the church at Ephesus, this is what he says. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Now look, there's five things in this. Number one, this church, they had some stuff going on. The the church was, these Christians are not losers in the ultimate sense. Number one, they were a serving church. He says, I know your deeds. I know your work. Right? I know that you show up and you do stuff. Okay, Number two, it, they were, this church was a sacrificing church. He says, I know your hard work. You don't just show up and do work, but you work hard. Number three, this church was a steadfast church. I know your perseverance. And number four, this church was a sanctified church. He says, you cannot tolerate wicked people. You've tested those who say they are, they are apostles and are not. And then finally, number five, this church was a suffering church. He says, you have persecuted persevered, and endured many hardships. But in verse 4 and 5a, Jesus says this to them. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Wait a minute. Wait. Back up here. According to today's standards, this is a happening church, right? According to today's standards, these guys are on the money. These guys are killing it. They had all the right stuff. They're serving, sacrificing, steadfast, sanctified, suffering. How could God possibly find fault with this church? How could God possibly find anything wrong with with these believers? Here's the deal. It appears that the, the Ephesian church had once this fire that, that motivated them, this zeal, this passion for God. But they had allowed this passion for God to grow cold, and they had literally left their first love. You see, service is not the same as passion. It is very possible to serve God without passion. Some of us have been in church a long time, longer than we should even probably admit. 
you know, you know, you know, brother, brother Peters, you know, you remember, you know, we've been in church a long time. We, we taught people that serve faithfully for 40, 50 years, but you know, for like for the last 35 years, they were so grumpy. They wanted, they really want to be there. Yes. You know, those ushers at the door that they frowned at you coming in and they frowned at you going out. <laughs> those choir members that didn't mind getting into a fight over the choir robe because that's all they really cared about and, and they're doing it because their mama was in the choir and their grandmama was in the choir and they're going to be in the choir even if they can't stand you and don't care much for Jesus no more. We've seen people who, who, who serve and, and do stuff, but service is not the same as passion. You can serve God without passion. You can serve, and, and, and get this, serving God out of a sense of duty is, is, is draining. Living for Jesus out of a sense of legalism will, will, will drain and sap the passion out of your life. Service alone will not produce passion. And so the question is, how do we restore passion to our lives? And the Word of God, over and over again, repeats the, the importance of maintaining this spiritual fire. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 warns us as believers, do not quench the Spirit. In other words, do not put out the Spirit's fire. We all want to be, and we all need to be on fire for God. But the question is, how do we do it? And I just want to suggest to you a few ways this morning that we can keep the fire burning. Amen? Number one, make sure you have a fireplace. In 1 Timothy, the second chapter, Paul exhorts Timothy, who's a young pastor. He says to stir up the gift of God that is in you. One writer makes this observation. Everyone knows that a fireplace equals a safe place to have a fire. By the way, it is coming into the colder months now. So at your house, if you desire to be warm and have a fire, make sure that you have a fireplace because you don't want to just buy, go get those logs, doer logs from the store, put them in a corner of your living room and say, or, you know, put them in the oven. And, no, so the writer says, <laughs> I digress. It's a place where you can put logs together and they share each other's heat. And he says Christians need a place where their passion can burn brightly, where their passion is encouraged, and where the passion of one person can inflame the passion of another. The church is God's gift of a fireplace to passionate Christians. You get it? God has given us the church as a fireplace, as a safe place to burn. And Christians who live with a passion for Christ uh, in a world that resists that passion, we need the church the church where the love of God, the love of Christ that we have can be expressed openly. And I want to say, and when, I, when I come to church, and when I listen to some of you share, when I, when, I, when I look at your faces and when I see what God is doing in your life, I, 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 catch, I catch sparks and embers. And, you know, it's kind of like what we've been dealing with in SoCal and well, all of Cal <laughs> this, this, this week with, with those fires and those embers and you know, when I was coming up, there was a song we used to sing called Pass It On. It said it only takes a spark to get a fire going, and how true that is in, 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 for real, right? But, uh, but there's a certain, when I come, sometimes I'm not as, I'm not as, as warm and, and glowy when I get here as I am when I leave. I feel much better right now than I did when, I, I felt good this morning when I got here. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I had the joy of the Lord on the freeway on the way here. Nobody cut me off on the freeway. But, but, but there was something that, I got something after I got here. Sometimes when we're in, we're in sound check, we're in, as we're getting rehearsing in the morning, sometimes it, it's, more, it's, it's, it's more on fire than even when, by the time y'all get here. Some, 
Some of you come early. You know, sometimes we're about to have church when we're just warming up in the morning. And I, I need that because after living with all kinds of crazy folks all week long, I need to get the fire in my life stoked. And so I thank God for this fireplace where we can come together and warm each other up in passion for the things of God. And number two, you've got to focus your fire. Romans 10.2 from the New Living Translation says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God. This is Paul writing of the Jews. He says, but it is a misdirected zeal. And Paul's talking about the Jewish people from his perspective uh, you know, as one who's been converted, who his, his brothers and sisters who have yet to receive Christ, and they had, he acknowledged that they had a passion for God as we study the Gospels. We see that the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they're passionate about the things of God, but it's misdirected and, and misappropriated. And, and, and one thing about us as passionate Christians, Christians is that we tend to have our, our hands in a lot of things. And the problem, is, the problem with passion is when it's spread too thin, it doesn't make much of a difference anywhere. So focus your fire. Have a fireplace. Focus your fire. Number three, realize that fire consumes. And so when we live passionately, we will have to wrestle with weariness. Whether we like it or not, as we experience the fire that God has placed within us, and as God uses us to make a difference in the world, we tend to be, in a sense, consumed. I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he quotes Psalm 69, 9. He says, passion for God's house burns within me. David makes it more clear in Psalm 119, 139, when he laments this. He says, my zeal wears me out. Some of you may have experienced that, where you were passionate about the things of God. You were, you had a, you were, you were very zealous and excited about Christ, but maybe you, got, you found yourself literally being burned out. So we have to be careful because fire does consume. And so as Christians, we have to fight that weariness that results from God-given passion. The Word of God gives us a clue to how to do that in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, beginning in verse 30. And you know these words. He says, even youths will become exhausted, and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who hope in the Lord, those who wait in the Lord. Number four, fire needs to be stoked from time to time. And so practice the habit of reevaluation. Stop at the end of a day, the end of a task, at the end of a season in your life. Examine and recognize the value of your accomplishments. The end of each day, the completion of each assignment, take a moment, look at what you've accomplished, look at what God has been doing in your life before you move on to the next day, the next thing. And thank God for giving you the creativity and the strength to accomplish your work in his name. Number five, understand this. Fire changes the surrounding environment. We only have to look at the news this week to how true and how evident that is, right? And understand this, though, and I think this might be one of the most important things we can grasp from this message this morning. Realize that passion makes a difference, right? A Christian without passion is like a river without water. Passion energizes the Christian life. Passion gives us additional focus in life. And without the passion of God, a passion for God in our lives, we lead dull and draining lives we have a dull and draining existence. And passion is one of the ways that God empowers our lives. Romans, Romans 12, 11 says this, Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. 
And so on several levels, passion helps us. Number one, passion for God will protect me from wrongdoing. Because when I'm passionate about God, I'd rather serve him than turn aside and do something that I know I shouldn't do. My passion to please God causes me to say no to temptation. My passion for what God wants to happen in my life causes me to, to instantly recognize any departure from that passion. And so, fire changes the surrounding environments. Number six, associate with passionate people. Fire needs to be fed in order to keep growing. It's true that people affect how we live and walk. Then it's true that if we spend time with people who are passionate about the Lord, it will cause our hearts to grow, what, brighter. Paul reminded the young pastor that we mentioned a while ago, his young apprentice, Timothy, about the power of others to affect his own flame. Paul writes this in, in 2 Timothy 1.5. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. That passion had been, was present in Timothy's family and had been passed along, and he had been, been a party to it and received it, and it, was, it had become his passion. Then finally... And we're almost done. That's five dollars. Without a second, I guess that's that's two. That's yeah. Don't my, I don't have that much money, so nobody else say take your time. <laughs> if you don't know that the inside joke is that long-winded preachers, you know, like myself, we we I I, I have to I have to pay people money to say take your time. <laughs> Thank you. I think I will. <laughs> 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 you, don't want, you don't want me to take my time. <laughs> Finally, this. Pray, listen, and this, this is how, this is what we do. Pray for passion. Do you realize that the fire of God in our lives is, is in a sense a gift? And that's why Paul writes to Timothy, says in 2 Timothy 1.6, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And how does Paul anticipate or expect that Timothy might do this? And he might do this by or through prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it. You hear these words? Listen to them. Earnestly. Can you just say that? Say earnestly. Fervently. Vigilantly. These words speak of passion. In other words, anything worthwhile, any good thought, any inspiration, any... Any concern for people comes forth from this, and this comes through prayer. Prayer is the key to restoring passion in your life. Prayer is the, re- key, the, is the key to restoring passion in your ministry. Prayer is the key to restoring passion in your marriage. John Wesley was famous for these words. He, he was asked about the secret of his incredible ministry and his effectiveness. And uh, he said this. He said, he said, I ask God to set me on fire and let people watch me burn. Would you, des- would you dare to desire that for your life? That God would set you on fire? I know that sounds kind of hardcore, right? But spiritually speaking, with regard to passion and enthusiasm, with regard to the zeal, would you, would you dare to ask God, Lord, would you, set me a, would you set me on fire? Would you set me ablaze with passion for you, with passion for your for your people, for your church, for your kids. Passion for the, for, for the world, for the lost. Passion for the nations. 
passion that your glory would be, would be revealed throughout the earth, passion that your kingdom would come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, would you ignite me with that flame, with that fire, and then allow others around me to watch me burn and to see that, and, and then for, them to, to, for that fire to catch on and for it to become contagious. Maybe that song that, that, I, that, that we used to sing in youth group when I was a kid coming up, maybe, maybe that still has validity. It only takes a spark to get a fire growing, and soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you experience, you want to pass it on. So my prayer for us this morning, I, I, what, a, what a beautiful day this is. And this is one of those days when to preach this message, I'm able to sow the seed of the word into, into the soil of, of hearts and lives that have already in this service, in this day, in this setting, have, we've experienced that passion, and we've, 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 we've shared that fire and that flame. But my prayer for you and my prayer for me and my, my prayer for all of us, for our families, for our, for our marriages, for our lives, for, for every aspect of, of, of our existence, existence is that we would be set on fire with God's holy fire, that we'd be set ablaze by a fire of passion for God, that it would burn in our soul, that it would set us on fire for the kingdom. How many of you really want that this morning? How many of you want that this morning? Amen. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning for your word that comes to us and reminds us of the fact that we really, we really 